Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into the harrowing details and daunting realities of Chernobyl, a compelling historical account of the catastrophic 1986 nuclear disaster by acclaimed author Serhii Ploki. Meticulously researched and drawing from newly opened archives, Ploki provides a definitive exploration of the events that led to the tragedy, the monumental aftermath, and how the incident became a catalyst for the subsequent unraveling of the Soviet Union. Serhii Ploki, an esteemed Ukrainian-American historian and Harvard professor, brings his extensive expertise in Eastern European studies to the book, offering readers an unparalleled perspective on the disaster. With over 12 respected publications, including The Last Empire, The Final Days of the Soviet Union, and The Gates of Europe, A History of Ukraine, Ploki is a distinguished voice in the field. This book is an insightful journey not just for fans of the HBO miniseries looking to expand their understanding beyond the screen, but also for post-Cold War generations eager to grasp the magnitude of the event and its lasting impact. It is equally a critical read for nuclear power plant operators and anyone interested in the interplay of technology, politics, and history. Join us for an engaging session as we unveil the layers of a catastrophe etched into the annals of modern history. Chernobyl, the history of a nuclear catastrophe. Introduction. Understanding the unthinkable. The tale of Chernobyl's dark day. Picture a serene night in April giving way to chaos and confusion, as one of humanity's worst nightmares unfolds. On April the 26th, 1986, the Chernobyl nuclear power plant's reactor number four exploded, releasing lethal radiation across the Soviet Union and Europe. But as flames leaped into the sky, the true extent of the disaster remained shrouded in secrecy and misunderstanding. If we pull back the curtain on that fateful night, we encounter questions begging for answers. Why was the response to the calamity so lethargic? What chain of events triggered this massive failure? This retelling takes you behind the scenes into the control room, ticking seconds away from disaster. It reveals the desperate measures taken to fend off further devastation and honors the valiant individuals who risked their lives in the face of invisible danger. More than just a disaster, the Chernobyl incident exposed cracks in the Soviet Union's facade, dealing a devastating blow to a superpower already spiraling towards collapse. While Chernobyl's remaining reactors lingered on until the dawn of the new millennium, the Soviet Union could not survive the aftershocks of 1986. In our journey through this dark chapter of history, you will unearth the underlying factors and misguided decisions that led to the catastrophic explosion, the strategies employed by the Soviet Union to decontaminate and recover from the environmental nightmare, and how Mikhail Gorbachev, former Soviet leader, views Chernobyl as more than an accident, but a critical catalyst for the unraveling of an empire. Part 1. The disaster unfolds during a routine safety check. The Chernobyl power complex, nestled in the heart of Soviet Ukraine, was once among the world's titans of nuclear energy. A stone's throw from the plant lay the vibrant city of Pripyat, a symbol of Soviet prosperity 
where life thrived amid the hum of progress, until an unseen foe changed everything. To fathom the enormity of Chernobyl's tragedy, let's delve into the heart of a nuclear reactor, a titan designed to harness atomic might for human need. From the subatomic dance of fission, where atomic nuclei split and unleash neutrons and energy, emerges the lifeblood of the reactor, heat. This heat transforms water into the steam that spins turbines, breathing life into electricity. However, this process hinges on the careful orchestration of fission's chain reactions, fueled by precarious uranium-235. Uranium's restless nuclei, eager to divide, release neutrons that perpetuate the cycle. But speed is a foe here. To increase the likelihood of collisions and sustain the reaction, reactors employ moderators like water and graphite, slowing these neutrons to a careful crawl. Pivotal to this equilibrium are the control rods, boron sentinels, that absorb neutrons and shape the power of the reaction. Their careful insertion manages the reactor's heart, while cooling fluids circulate to steady its pulse. So on that day, within the innards of Unit 4, as operators embarked on a mundane safety test, fate's gears turned. The goal. To prove that, should power falter, the brief limbo before backup generators roused could be safely bridged by the turbine coasting to a standstill, a critical detail that, in theory, would ensure the reactor's safety during a power outage. Unbeknownst to them, this routine procedure was the harbinger of catastrophe. Part 2. Critical Errors and Flawed Decisions Led to Nuclear Disarray On the stage of Unit 4, a drama of catastrophic proportions played out, a spectacle of mistakes piloted by misjudgment and inexperience. As the sun dipped on April 24, 1986, a new ensemble under Yuri Tregub's wary gaze assumed their roles for the night's performance, the safety test. Tregub, unsettled by his unfamiliarity with the script, reached out for direction. Enter Anatoly Dyatlov, the deputy chief engineer, a figure both respected and feared, whose arrival set a tone of tense anticipation. The test's curtain rose at 10 p.m. with Kiev's blessing. Yet by midnight, as the shift changed guards and Tregub dimmed the reactor's output, the plot thickened. The inexperienced night crew, under the watchful eye of shift leader Alexander Akimov and his colleague Leonid Toptunov, found themselves in turbulent waters, with Dyatlov as their uncompromising captain. As the workers navigated the control rods, symbols of their control over the atomic giant, a twist, power, nosedived. In this critical moment, indecision loomed like a specter. Should they abort the test or press on to placate Dyatlov? Dyatlov, fixed on success, issued a fateful command. Boost the power, even as the reactor protested, its output dwindling far below the necessary threshold. The crew heeded, toiling to elevate the reactor's strength, but the once rapid dance of fuel rod reactions had slowed, a side effect of the reactor's prolonged low power state. With only a paltry number of control rods remaining, the cooling system began to falter, turning water into steam, hastening the fuel rods reawakening. Power surged, a maelstrom of energy unleashed. It was 1.23 a.m. when desperation gripped Toptunov 
and he thrust down the AZ-5 button, a plea for mercy to the reactor, a call to cease fire. Yet, the button became the domino to topple all others, as the control rods returned home, not to quell the storm, but to ignite it further. In mere moments, explosions shuddered through Unit 4, spewing destruction, laying the foundations for an era-defining disaster. Part 3. The inherent danger in Soviet RBMK reactors set the stage for disaster. The Chernobyl catastrophe was triggered by initiating an emergency shutdown. Paradoxically, the very act meant to avert disaster, but this was not solely a saga of human folly. Buried within the bowels of the RBMK reactor was a fatal flaw. To comprehend this hidden menace, you must understand that the RBMK, a distinctly Soviet nuclear behemoth, diverged from its global contemporaries. Unlike many reactors that enlist water as both a coolant and a neutron moderator, the RBMK reactors embraced graphite to moderate their atomic appetite, an inherently riskier choice. The plot thickens when we look at the control rods, crucial actors designed to curb the reactor's power. In an act of grave misjudgment, these rods bore tips of graphite, a substance known to encourage the very reaction they were meant to suppress. This arrangement, graphite-tipped control rods partially withdrawn from their positions, wasn't an oversight. In fact, it was by design, granting operators a perceived precision in controlling the reactor's response. However, on the night of April 26th, as the AZ-5 button was pushed and the control rods sprung into action, their graphite tips, like grim heralds, entered first, inciting chaos in an already unstable core. The scene that followed was apocalyptic, a blast that hurled a 200-ton concrete lid skyward and a subsequent fiery inferno that laid bare the plant's failing heart, dispersing lethal graphite shrapnel across the landscape. So why did the Soviet engineers stake their claim on the volatile RBMK design? The answer is multifaceted, a tapestry of ambition and pragmatism. RBMK reactors were titans of energy, capable of churning out double the power of their Western counterparts, while also running on less enriched uranium, making them economic assets. Yet their adaptability had a sinister edge, allowing for a swift pivot to manufacture plutonium, fuel for the engines of war. Thus, unbeknownst to many, the RBMK reactors harbored within them an inherent instability, a design destined for doom, one that was selfishly overlooked until that fateful day when the fragility of human invention became starkly clear. Yet despite this foreboding design and the chaos that ensued, the official response to the Chernobyl disaster unfolded at a lethargic pace. Part 4. Chaotic Disbelief and Negligence in the wake of nuclear devastation. As the walls of Chernobyl's Unit 4 crumbled, heralding a catastrophe, the call to arms was sounded, beckoning the specialized military fire department into an otherworldly battlefield. What met their eyes was a hellscape of towering flames and a decimated reactor hall, a panorama of unsuspected horror. Braving the inferno with no shield but their routine combat gear, the firefighters battled the rooftop blaze, unaware that the shimmering stones beneath them were the reactor's own vitals, graphite cores spewing invisible death. 
their equipment disintegrated, and their bodies raised a silent alarm with symptoms of severe radiation sickness that the men chalked up to shock or exhaustion. As firefighter Peter Chavray clasped metal debris with his bare, trustful hands, his skin protested, tearing away from the lethal touch. This ordeal was underscored by an overarching symphony of ignorance and denial from the authorities. The repercussions of the explosion were met not with informed action, but with a misguided calm. Operators within the plant, notably the ill-informed Dyatlov, could not fathom that the reactor had met its demise. Instead, they saw only surface wounds in the turbine hall, even as their colleagues succumbed to radiation's merciless clasp. Similarly, denial rooted itself in the higher echelons of power. Viktor Bryukhanov, the power plant's steward, penned a dispatch to Kiev's party brass that vastly underplayed the nightmare unfolding, citing damaged infrastructure but failing to grasp the gravity of the reactor's wounds. With tools that blurred the truth, Brukhanov reported radiation at the spear tip of their gauge's capacity, a misleading figure he consciously reported, disregarding evidence that painted a far more dire picture, measurements that screamed of a radiation beyond comprehension. In this climate of denial, Soviet authorities let precious time slip through their fingers, time that could have been spent saving lives and mitigating disaster. As the firefighters' condition deteriorated, Reality slowly dawned on those in command, but at a devastating cost, with irreparable damage already inflicted upon countless unsuspecting souls. Part 5. The Race Against Time to Mitigate an Unprecedented Nuclear Nightmare As the silent invader of Chernobyl's explosion, ionizing radiation, commenced its onslaught on human cells, the horrors of acute radiation syndrome began to reveal themselves. Afflicted firefighters and workers, suffering under the invisible siege of radiation, became the harbingers of undeniable truth. The plant was in ruins, and the disaster was undeniable. With this grim revelation, the nearby city of Pripyat, a settlement soon to be lost in time, stayed alarmingly still. Despite the ash-laden winds carrying toxic whispers, the townspeople remained in the dark, as local officials were paralysed, caught between the fear of mass hysteria and the clamour for orders from higher up. Real transformation arrived in the persona of Boris Sherbina, the politician with the weight of decision on his shoulders and the piercing intellect of Valery Legasov, his chief scientific counsel. Drafted from the grips of bureaucratic inertia, it took them a day and a half to reach a decisive verdict, evacuating Pripyat. The pronouncement came with a false promise of return, leaving residences to be swallowed by time. With the human exodus in motion, thoughts turned to the raging beast of a reactor. It was still alive, spitting out radioactive plumes, brainstorming strategies. The commission deployed helicopters, casting a blanket of sand, lead, and other materials upon the reactor's fiery moor a gamble that claimed brave pilots' lives in the process. Yet uncertainty haunted them. With each airdrop, the seeds of radiation were further sown into the sky. Legasov's mind raced with fears of the molten reactor core tunneling down to reach a vast pool of radioactive water. 
potentially igniting another catastrophic steam explosion. In response, three engineers braved the plant's submerged veins, steering the poisoned waters into chambers for firefighters to drain. The threat of the core contaminating the water table loomed large, prompting an army of miners to carve out earth beneath the reactor, laying the groundwork for a concrete sarcophagus to entomb the nuclear menace. The cost of these interventions remains enshrouded in mystery, both in terms of human sacrifice and actual necessity. However, what stands clear is that they shielded the world from further calamity on an unimaginable scale. Now came the next chapter. Chernobyl's daunting cleanup loomed on the horizon, a testament to the resilience and resolve that would be summoned in the disaster's wake. Part 6. The monumental task of erasing Chernobyl's radioactive footprint begins. As the immediate perils were subdued, the Soviet machine mobilized to confront a nemesis unlike any faced in peacetime. The toxic legacy of Chernobyl. Across Europe, alarm bells rang, distant and disconnected from the disaster's epicenter, as radiation from the power plant was detected as far away as a Swedish station over a thousand kilometers distant. The time for secrecy had passed. World eyes turned towards the Soviet Union as it orchestrated a cleanup of unprecedented scale. To carry out this Herculean quest, the government summoned a legion of more than half a million men and women, soldiers, scientists, engineers, laborers, all of whom would come to be known by the noble title of liquidators. These brave souls were thrust into an invisible war, often ill-equipped with information or protection, tasked with decontaminating a land that had become an open wound. In the vicinity of Chernobyl, marked by a 30-kilometer no-man's land, teams engaged in a meticulous purge. Helicopters wove through the skies, dispensing binding agents to subdue the treacherous dust while on terra firma. Soldiers marshaled a cleansing agent across any and all surfaces within their reach. The traces of civilization's touch, its constructions, its machines, its pets, all were condemned to a somber entombment in concrete crypts. Trees in the red forest, Scorched in a sunless autumn by the reactor's breath, met the same grim fate. Yet the most haunting chapter belonged to the workers tasked with clearing the graphite debris from Unit 3's rooftop. Robots faltered under the radiation's weight, leaving humans, dubbed biorobots, to brave the storm. Donning crude armor of lead and respirators, these soldiers of misfortune engaged in devastatingly brief but potent battles against time and radiation to cast the remnants of disaster into the abyss. As spring gave way, ARS claimed its tributes, firefighters and plant staff enclosed in bags, boxes and tombs of unyielding layers, their resting places shielded from the world by heavy concrete tiles. Through tireless, laborious months, the construction of the final sentinel began, a concrete sarcophagus, formidable in stature, consigning Unit 4's reactor to a grave of its own. Workers constructed a protective barrier first, enduring the tainted air to ensure their comrades pouring concrete for the encasement avoided maximum exposure. By November's chill, after the toil of 200,000 the sarcophagus stood, 
a testament to human will in the shadow of human error. Part 7. The Enduring Legacy of Chernobyl. Human Tragedy and Environmental Devastation. The shadow of Chernobyl looms large, a dark monument to the fragility of the intersection between human industry and the natural world. In the immediate toll, one figure haunts the annals of official records, 31 lives extinguished in the disaster's immediate fallout. Yet this number, upheld by contemporary Russian authorities, barely scratches the surface of the tragedy, omitting countless others claimed by acute radiation syndrome in its aftermath, and those hundreds, perhaps thousands, who would succumb to radiation-induced illness. The Chernobyl Union, advocates for the liquidators, counts a haunting tally. Some 60,000 souls departed, and another 165,000 permanently scarred by disability. Estimates of the eventual death toll vary, climbing ominously to 93,000. In the shadow of the reactor's ruin, children's cancer rates in Ukraine spiked alarmingly, child leukemia becoming a dreadful specter where there had been none. Compounding human cost, Chernobyl also demanded a reckoning from those it held responsible. The long arms of justice clasped managers and safety experts in its grip, dooming six men, including power plant officials Viktor Brukhanov, Nikolai Fomin, and Anatoly Dyatlov, to the bleak future of labor camps. Among the faded faces is Valery Legasov, chief scientific voice of the government commission, advocate of the truth, who, after disclosing unsettling details about the RBMK reactor's design, found himself at odds with a regime for which secrets were sacred, denied honors, shunned by academic allies. Legasov succumbed to the silence he felt around him, ending his life two years post-Chernobyl. Beyond these personal tragedies lies a vast canvas of ecological carnage. The explosive release of radioactive material, a poison unleashed, mirrors the power of 500 atom bombs, searing its mark across 100,000 square kilometers of Europe. In Ukraine's region of Narodaichi, the land bears witness to the cost, with deformed births in farm animals casting a grim reminder of the lingering menace. Thus, the narrative of Chernobyl is not solely one of a meltdown or of a rogue reactor. It is a tale that touches everything it encounters, leaving a potent transformative effect. Its legacy is written in the earth it tainted, the lives it upended, and the political landscapes it altered, perpetually etching the name Chernobyl into human memory. Part 8. The political shockwaves of Chernobyl hastened the Soviet Union's demise. Chernobyl's story beyond its immediate horrors is deeply interwoven with the seismic political shifts of the late 20th century. Indeed, the catastrophe did not merely echo through homes and forests. It reverberated through the halls of power, accelerating the dissolution of the Soviet Empire. As the narrative of the disaster unwound, Mikhail Gorbachev, former leader, reflected on it as the real cause of the USSR's unraveling. The Chernobyl disaster chipped away at the already eroding faith in Soviet leadership, with the citizens of Ukraine, Belarus, and Lithuania growing particularly mistrustful. 
With Glasnost, the policy of more open consultative government and wider dissemination of information, in full swing, the veil over Chernobyl's after-effects lifted, revealing unsettling truths. Journalists and citizens rallied, documenting the government's missteps and highlighting the disturbing increase in health issues, a somber chorus calling out official misrepresentations and secrets. Reports of health anomalies, such as the widespread thyroid gland enlargement among children, fanned the flames of discontent with the ruling authorities, questioning their commitment to well-being over industrial ambitions. In an attempt to stem disapproval and salvage a crumbling regime, Gorbachev introduced partially democratic elections. However, rather than quelling the disquiet, this move only amplified calls for change, providing a tribune for voices of dissent. Environmental calamity turned the wheel of activism, and by 1989, discontent burgeoned into public outcries against the administration. Environmental groups, such as the Belarusian Popular Front, took up the mantle, drawing massive crowds in a public demand for accountability. As the new Congress of People's Deputies took shape in 1990, the electorate leaned towards champions of independence and disarmament. In the frenetic tides of change, Lithuania took bold strides towards sovereignty, prompting a stern response from Gorbachev, but the current was already set against the Soviet dam. In the heart of the Ukrainian parliament, independence roared to life, voiced by Volodymyr Yavorivsky, a figure entwined with Chernobyl's legacy. When the people of Ukraine were asked to mark their stance, they did so resoundingly, etching the choice of freedom into the annals of history. And so, on December 20, 1991, the Soviet story reached its final chapter. A union that had shaped much of the century unraveled, with the echoes of Chernobyl lingering as a catalyst of its conclusion. A somber reminder of the intersecting paths of human ambition, error, and the indomitable spirit seeking autonomy. Final Summary The Chernobyl disaster stands as a grim landmark in modern history. Its scale, its impact, its lasting legacy are unparalleled. Unraveling this narrative, we've seen the confluence of human blunders, systemic design flaws, and a tragically inadequate response that compounded an already dire situation, creating a ripple of consequences that resonate to this day. The catastrophe not only devastated the lives of countless individuals who must endure the shadow of its touch in the form of lasting health complications and shortened lifespans, but it also laid bare the deficiencies and shortcomings of an entire political system. The Soviet Union, a superpower that once commanded global attention, was, in part, undone by the very same elements that had fortified its authority, secrets, and control, now turned to its undoing as the fabric of trust and governance unraveled irreparably in the aftermath of the disaster. Chernobyl thus is not merely a chapter of a reactor gone rogue, it is a mosaic of human stories, of pain and loss, of political upheaval, and of a resilience that persists despite the odds. It's a cautionary tale, a memorial of past errors, shaping our present and future approach to nuclear energy and government transparency. As we close this account, we carry forward the memory of lives altered and a world changed, 
with the hope that history's lessons will guide us to a more mindful and informed tomorrow. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then. Happy reading and happy listening.